Uh-huh. All right. Good. All right. We got everybody. All right. Hello, hello, hello. We're going to week one of MLS Gone Wild. I'd like to thank you for everybody for joining us. I'm Brandon Takis. I'm joined by Blen- Blake Eshelman and Dakota Rock. All righty. Welcome, everybody. This is Blem, a.k.a. Blake Eshelman. Call me what you want. I'm coming at you live from Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, huge time soccer fan, long time crew fan, play college soccer, Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, I think I have a wealth of soccer knowledge, so we're going we're gonna to put it to use today. Dakota, go ahead. What's going on, everybody? Dakota Rock coming live from Memphis, Tennessee. little background about me. Played at Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina. Went on to start coaching collegiately. Been around a couple D3 programs. I'm currently at Rhodes College on the women's side. Good. Right. I'm Brad Takis. I got a little bit of high school soccer in me, but that's about it. I like watching soccer. I'm a crew fan also, like the rest of us. And let's get this shit started. All righty. So the first thing we're going to talk about today, you know, we have 26 teams in the MLS now. Um, so the first thing we're going to be talking about today is the two expansion teams, Nashville FC and Enter Miami. Um, what do you guys think of their first performances and how do you guys think their year is going to go? Brandon, you want to go first or you want me to go first? <laughs> I think uh, I think Inter Miami looked really good for their first very first game. Like their defense was pretty good. I mean, they got Robust and goalkeeper, and he's a he's a force to be reckoned with. That's for sure. Especially coming from the Rebels, he's really good with them. So look forward to watching them. Nashville, they got. I mean, they have two two decent players so far: Walker Zimmerman and uh, Dax McCarty. Dax McCarty's been around for a while, but I feel like they're going to be struggling for a little bit just to get used to everything. Yeah, I'm going to kind of piggyback on you. I thought um, Miami looked pretty good after they settled into the game a little bit. I think the first 15, 20 were a bit hectic for them. LAFC weren't giving them, showing them any mercy really either, though. Coming out, they were all over them in that first 15, 20 minutes. Like you were saying, Robles came up with some massive saves to keep them in, especially early that second half as well. Totaled eight saves, period. Um and they're made up of some solid veterans within that back line and that um, defensive midfield with Trap in there along with in the back they have Torres and such. I mean, their team, that team's going to be good in the future. I think it's just going to take them a couple games to get used to it. Um, going on to Nashville, I mean, starting the season with 59,000-plus fans in Nissan Stadium is pretty hectic. That's pretty crazy. Um, veteran back line, veteran starting lineup. I think only two players in the starting lineup were without MLS experience in the past. I mean, when you got a center back in Walker Zimmerman, who's been in the league since 2013, totaling 141 appearances, 123 starts and 13 goals. I mean, that's a big presence in the box for those free kicks, which you saw from his goal in that first half there this weekend. I just yeah. say you better be producing goals if you get paid that much money, though, for Walker Zimmerman. He's not made. He's not meant to be. Producing I know he's goals. not, but you got to at least produce a lot. Yeah, it's just a plus for him that as money. that big presence in the box. Yeah, I think um, the one thing I want to touch on, especially with Nashville, is I think this year we're really going to find out how good Walker Zimmerman really is. He had the, um, you know, he was he was able to play with LAFC for the past two years. Um, and even though they were an expansion team, he had a great defense around him and a great attacking presence. Um, so with all those other pieces, it made him look really good. And I think it was important for him um, being their one big signing um, in the offseason to come out with their, um, you know, first goal. And, you know, they lost 2-1 at home. Um, but I think that's still a, an overall good showing against um, Atlanta. Um, and Dakota touched on, you know, the – 59,000 folks that showed up. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the city of Nashville um, and their time of need. Um, You know, the tornadoes just came through and um, there were 20 plus casualties in the city. So our prayers go out to them. Um, And I hope Nashville FC continues to represent that city um, like they did last week. Um, And I think Nashville has a really good midfield watching it. I was kind of skeptical, but I think Dax McCarty and uh, Godoy, the ex-San Jose Earthquake midfielder, 
Um, they're both veterans in the midfield. Um, I think they have they had good shape overall. Um, and really, I think they were unlucky to lose that game after Atlanta um, scored that second goal off that Heinemann volley off his chest. Um, you know, because initially the offside flag was raised. Um, you know, you're taught to never give up on a play. Um, and Nashville all had their hands up. But um, I think that was a little unlucky. I wish, you know, I'm sure they wish they could have that back. Um, but overall, it was a good first showing from Nashville, from the fans and from the players. And then for Miami, I know you guys talked about it. I think Robles is going to be their MVP. He had eight saves, like Dakota said, on nine total shots. Um, I like their DP, Pizarro and Pellegrini. I like Pizarro. He kind of reminds me of a uh, Nicholas Ladero, but he just plays a little bit higher up the field. Um, but they're going to struggle, I think, to find goals a little bit, especially against good teams. Um, but the likes of their defense is really good. You know, they have uh, – who do they have? Ben Sweat, uh, Roman Torres from the Seattle Sounders, Alvis Powell, X-Timber. Um, and then Luis Figal, who just came in from uh, – who did he come in from? Dakota, you know who he came in from? Figal? I do not at the top of my head, no. Well, I have down here Figal. So he's had a couple of call-ups for the Argentine national team recently. So I think they have a really good defense. I think they have a – I think Miami has the better defense, but I think Nashville has the better midfield. I think it's going to come down to whoever has the, the better attack. Um, but I think both teams will be um, – Decently successful, maybe mid-table this year. Yeah, just kind of going back to you were talking about, you were liking the way Pellegrini and Pizarro were playing. Um, I did a little research. I looked back into it. But my big question with Miami is Robbie Robinson up front and the style of play that they're looking to play. I mean, in that first game, it kind of looked like they were looking to play out wide with Pizarro, Pellegrini, Morgan even and try to get those crosses into the box. I mean, they totaled 29 crosses into that in that game, not connecting on much. But Robinson being a center forward, playing in that 4-2-3-1 type of formation, I think he's going to have to get a little help. He scored 18 goals in his junior year of college at Clemson before coming out, but only one of them came from a cross. A lot of them came from slip-through balls and connections from the wing. So that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to watch as we develop to see if they change their style of play a little bit to suit more of a Robbie Robinson type of player up front there. Right. And I yeah. have to say give it time. And uh, like it's the very first game, so I'm sure we'll get together, come, like, come up for a few games. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they will, too. I mean, they got that veteran coach in there. I mean, you got veteran players around, so there's no doubt that they're going to build into it. It's just going to be interesting to keep an eye on to see how well or how quickly what changes they make game to game here. Yeah, and I think something else to add, I know I spoke about the veteran midfield for Nashville with Dax McCarty and Godoy, but I think they have, you know, and um, I think they have – a veteran attack as well with David Akam and Dominic Badgie, um, both, you know, veterans of the MLS, been on multiple teams. They're proven goal scorers. Um, so I think they have veterans kind of all over the field, which in the MLS I think is an important um, – something important to have within your team. Well, especially for a new team also. It helps them out. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll go ahead and wrap that up. Um, like we said, we both, hope both teams have a great year. Um, so we'll move on to the goals of the week. Um, so total, there were 35 goals scored in 13 games. So we had a good weekend. There was over two and a half goals per game. Um, give me your guys' take. You know, what do you guys think the best goals were and, you know, why? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll go ahead and start this one, too, uh, Brandon. But I kind of Keep had – <laughs> I kind of had six, really, that I really was impressed with. Um, my top one was Alanis's free kick from the right side of that penalty area um, facing Dirty. the opponent. Dirty. Yeah, that left-footed back stick right there. Pressure, game-tying goal, too. So, just adds a little more to the reason why I put it up there. Um, I Blake, you already touched on Heidman's to bring that off the chest and volley that under pressure as a young player too um is great talent great composure to do that carlos vela being carlos vela i mean get i mean you can't really say much about that um 
yeah, you could argue the goalkeeper was out of position, no man's land around his six, but <laughs> to put the kind of backspin he put on that to put it right over him in the perfect position is tough to do. Um, you ready? I don't know if you guys have you ready's lob from the 18 one time lob. It was pretty beautiful. And then my one of my favorites was the Pomacall goal this weekend. Dribble past a couple defenders, gets it on his left, and to put it back post with his hips facing the sideline pretty much to get his hips around that, that left foot to put that back stick was pretty impressive. Also want to give an honorable mention. It's not the greatest goal, but Walker Zimmerman getting the first goal in Nashville uh, franchise history as an MLS team, so gave him the honorable mention there. I got to say, Jerusalem was spinning the box. That was that was dirty. He gave the assist to Hurtado. That was a nice goal right there. I mean, you already touched up on the, all the other goals I have, so I'm not going to repeat them. Yeah, I think for me, um, just some things that you guys haven't mentioned already. Um, you know, Kai Kamara has been, you know, throughout his long tenure as an MLS player with every team he's been on. He's been a, a presence and a threat in the box um, with his head. And, you know, he scored another great goal for the Rapids this week. But more impressive than the goal itself was the assist by Jack Price from outside the box. Um, so it would have been to the left side of the goal with the outside of his left foot. He half volleyed it in, um, swinging, a, swinging away from the goal right to Kai Kamara. Um, that was – I can't even emphasize how hard of a ball that is to play. Um, absolutely great ball by Jack Price. Not necessarily the goal of the week, but for me, maybe the assist of the week. Um, you touched on Elanis from San Jose, his game time goal. That was phenomenal. For me, I absolutely loved Barco's goal where he um, received the ball in the midfield out of the air, but he didn't really receive it. He dummied it and it went through the defender's legs and he went on to dribble down the field, cut back into a stronger right foot and place it back stick. Um, I just thought that bit of skill in the midfield where he dummied it and let it go through the player's legs out of the air um, was brilliant. And then um, the Sporting Kansas City goal by Kendo, the uh, Ethiopian international, um, he received the ball inside the box. It was basically a seven ball from the, from the right-hand side of the goal. They played it back to him, and just inside the right-hand side corner of the 18, uh, one time with the left foot, curled it in the near stick um, to where the goalkeeper had no chance. I mean, it was an absolutely brilliant goal for the first time. That was his first MLS goal. Um, in his debut for Sporting Kansas City. So I think those those were absolutely brilliant. We had some great goals, 35 of them. Um, you know, I'm sure we could speak all night on the rest of the goals, but I think those are the top ones that we got. Oh, for sure. For sure, for sure. Without a doubt. All right. So with the, with the new season comes a lot of new players in the MLS. Um, who did, Who stood out to you guys? For what team? Why did they stand out? Um, you know, what did they produce in their first games that made you, you know, list them here? Yeah, I mean, I'll start. Um, Tessman from Dallas. Um, kind of, you didn't really, I didn't really hear much about him coming into the year. I don't know about you guys or anybody else, but he was kind of a, I know he was a homegrown. He signed a homegrown contract right before the season. Actually, a Clemson football recruit, so he was getting ready to go to Clemson for football to be the kicker there. But, I mean, I thought he played well. I mean, that's a great story, too. Had the assist on Pomacall's goal um, late in stoppage time. So, I think that's just a big-time story, big-time player coming big in his homegrown debut. A couple other ones I had, Alanis from Montreal or San Jose again. Um, game tying goal with that free kick. He also had the assist on the first goal, so that was pretty impressive. He also had eight recovered balls, so he was doing his work as a defender, but also being able to get an assist with a chance created, and then the goal as well was pretty impressive. Um, my last one was Zellerion for the Columbus Crew. I mean, getting the first goal of his MLS career, getting the big one nothing win of the against New York, but I also thought he really did well controlling that midfield. Um, 
and getting into dangerous positions to not only get the goal, but also create chances as well. So I thought he did really well in that debut. Um, I mean, playing in Columbus in the early March is never fun, but he seemed to do really well, adjusted really well to that weather and dealt what he was uh, meant to do. So I was impressed with that one as well. Well, that man was putting in work for the crew also. Yeah. I mean, that man works his ass off without a doubt. So you can tell he's going to be a he's gonna, he's a good pickup for the crew, that's for sure. He's going to score a lot of goals, too, I have a feeling. I mean, he already put one in the, in the back of the net his first game, so. Pretty nice one, too, but that was a pretty nice left footer in the back stick, so pretty nice goal just wasn't enough for the to be considered for the goal of the week. Well, no, but, I mean, that man – the man didn't stop working the whole 90 minutes, so I'll give him that. No, not at all. I think uh, I think Alan uh, Polito for Sporting KC. I mean, I didn't like he didn't do too much, but he scored his uh, first goal against Vancouver in his very first game for Sporting KC. I mean, he came from Chivas and he averaged 10 goals a, a season over four years with them, so. I thought uh, I thought he did pretty decent for Sporting KC and put put one in the back of the net for them, but I mean Chicharito. I mean I think he didn't really do too much for uh, LA Galaxy, but I feel like he's gonna uh, just give him time and he's gonna be putting in work. I think his next game he'll score at least he'll score his first goal next game. So I, I like Chicharito. We'll see what he does, but I think he'll do pretty damn well this season. So, for me, the first person I have on my list that you guys haven't spoke about yet is Anderson Flores, um, the D.C. United midfielder. Um, D.C. have let go of some pretty good players this past season, notably Luciano Acosta. Um, and I think he's a very good replacement for them. He plays for the Peruvian national team, has 47 appearances. Uh, he played club in Mexico for Maria. Um, he had two shots, um, but he, I, I think he looked like the perfect replacement for Luciano. Um, he was able to break lines with his dribbling and with his passing. Um, he also looks to combine with the people up front. So I think he's a good replacement. And I think with the addition of a veteran like uh, Pipa, uh, Mr. Iguain, I think that he will um, flourish in that midfield. Um, That's so, that time to get him going to D.C. United, though. Yeah, as a crew fan, you hate to see it, but, man, it's it, it's right. man, people. That's for sure. That's all right. Yeah, well, we got a replacement. We got uh, Zellerayon. You know, I don't want to be biased or what have you, but. Um, to uh, I mean, back. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to do a lot better than what people did, but. Yeah, still, I think. Still miss the man. Yeah, I don't want to say better, but I think he's just an overall different player. Um, people. Was, I mean, he has uh, more, I mean he, of course, he has more speed. So. Yeah. Yeah, and he's younger, and then he – I mean, he has a lot to give for the crew, so. Yeah, and, and people was more spray the ball around, get your teammates involved, and, you know, it, it wasn't as – he can't he, – he really didn't break. So, around the thing that stood out the most to me was the way that, you know, I just spoke about Flores. They both break lines, both dribbling yeah, and with passing. Yeah. Um, and they, they create attacks um, that are, you know, that, that, that lead to goals. Um, and Zellerion's finish was was great. You know, the, the slipped-in ball that he received and just showing the strength inside the 18 um, in that tight space to be able to, you know, hold off a defender and actually turn and then finesse the ball back stick upper 90 with his left foot. Um, I think that's just, you know, that's there, there's many more to come there with him. Yeah, also, I think. Uh, what's up? Yeah, I was just going to say, you were talking about that slip ball. You mentioned the slip ball from Aful that went into Zellerion for the goal. I think we're going to see a lot of that with Zellerion and our outside backs this year, being able to get in that Zellerion gain and being able to get in that half space and receiving those balls from our pushed-up uh, wing backs, kind of, sort of. Um, I think that's going to be a dangerous ball with that. That's just something we were missing, sort of, with uh, Iguain, who was sitting in the middle, he used to sit in the middle a lot, but with Zellerion, like you were talking about, he's good breaking lines with his passing and dribbling. So I think we're going to see a lot of that going forward from that team. My man Federico plays some dirty balls sometimes, so let me tell you. Yeah, he did, man. He, dirty he, balls. We're gonna, I think that's a good pickup for DC, though. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, some of the other players I have are Lucas Pavone for the LA Galaxy. Um, so he's still on loan from Boca. 
Um, I really didn't even realize that last year he played for L.A., but I guess he did. He had three goals and eight assists in 11 MLS games last year. Um, he was a part of the 2018 Argentine World Cup squad. Uh, played all 90 minutes on Saturday um, and scored one goal on two shots. It was a brilliant goal back stick with his right foot coming from the left side. Um, absolutely great goal. I think that um, with them bringing in Chicharito, he's going to receive a little bit less defensive attention, and I think he's going to be able to flourish off that left side. Um, so I'd be watching out for the Galaxy this year as well as LAFC. Um, I already kind of spoke about uh, Gadi Kinda from Sporting Kansas City with the you know, one of my goals of the week. Um, but he's on a one-year loan with the option to buy from Baitar Jerusalem. Um, he had one goal on one shot. It was his, you know, first time in swing with the left foot to the top right upper 90 um, in his debut, which is brilliant. And he also had four goals in yellow. So as a midfielder, that is like a perfect day. You have a goal, four fouls in a yellow. All right, you had a good day. Um, I kind of already touched on Pizarro as well for Miami. He's the transfer from Monterey, the Mexico International. He's got 25 caps. Um, he's literally won everything in Liga MX. Uh, he logged four shots, two on goal, and he had a lot of key passes. Um, and like I kind of said earlier, he reminds me of a, you know, Nicolo Dero that plays a little bit higher up the field. I also have Randall Leal from Nashville. He's a 23-year-old from Saprissa. Uh, he loves to attack on the left-hand side. He was unlucky. He shot – he had three shots on goal uh, – or three shots, one on goal. Um, he shot one off the near post, which for them would have been the game-tying goal. So him attacking off the left side is um, going to be super important for them this year um, with their veteran attack and their veteran midfield spraying the ball out wide left to him. Um, I think that he could have a big year, and he's a player to watch. Um, I know, Dakota, you talked a little bit about Tanner Tessman, the 18-year-old from – um, FC Dallas that gave the assist to Paxton Palmy called the kid from um, Clemson. He actually never played a lick of football in his life, I read. <laughs> and Dabo Sweeney was like a family friend and invited him to a camp and saw this kid kick 50-yard field goals with both feet at a camp and was ready to offer him a scholarship. But Dabo went on vacation to, I think, Brandon, I think to your – your current homeland of Hawaii yeah. and or, or somewhere. And while he was on vacation, this Testament kid went ahead and signed his um, homegrown contract with L or FC Dallas last Thursday. Um, so good for him. It was, you know, he, he looked like a target forward laying that ball off to Pommy call. Um, so that was, that was great to see. Um, so I think we have a, a pretty good list of good newcomers and I'm sure there's plenty more out there that we missed and we're going to see them stand out the next couple of weeks. All right, so those are our newcomers going into week one. So now we'll, we'll kind of segue into our acquisitions following uh, week one. Um, so players that have just been acquired since Sunday. We already talked about Federico, but, I mean, he's going to be a great pickup for D.C. I think he's going to give him a lot. He's going to be something different for the midfield. Probably, probably like, give him, a, I'll give him some work for assists, and I think he'll put some goals away, too, for him. Yeah, so I have a couple. Um, I found a couple, but I'm going to touch on the Iguayim. I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit, Brandon. Um, yeah, he has. He had a very good career with the Columbus Crew, 55 goals, 63 assists, 21st player in MLS history to reach that 50-50 mark. But, I mean, when you look at DC's options in that midfield, it's hard to see where – he fits in kind of, I mean, you got Julian Gressel. Yeah, I understand Gressel's more of an outside player, but you got Yamil Asad, you got Abu now, you got Mourinho, Martins, Flores. Where, where exactly does, my question is, where does Iguain fit into this midfield? Where does he get his playing time from? Is he going to be coming off the bench? Is he going to be a starter? Flores playing as well as he did in that first week, I find it hard that Iguain's going to push Flores for playing I know, time. I mean, he'll, it's, he'll definitely probably come off the bench, but we'll just yeah. see how he does when he comes off the, off the bench and see if he provides more, pretty much more attack than what Flores does. So we'll just see what, what yeah, all happens. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that was my only like really question. I was looking at the depth chart today, and I mean, they hold 
near 14, 17 midfielders on that roster. So just seeing where his playing time came in was a question of mine to see what and he's 35. We got to remember he's 35. So he's nearing that top of age range where his career is possibly coming to an end. So we'll see what happens there. But a good signing if they can get him in games and he can produce. So um, so, so let, let me interject here for a second. Yeah. Um, so I, I disagree with you guys a little bit. I don't think Iguain is a player that's – I agree with you. They have a DC has a good midfield. They have a lot of options, but I think I I don't believe that Iguain comes off the bench. Um, he may not start this week, but I believe Iguain, despite his age uh, being 35, first of all, it ain't that old, um, but it is old in the soccer world. Um, I don't think that he comes off the bench. I think Iguain, once he gets settled in, probably will start. I think he's probably a guy that'll play 60. And then I think they'll bring a um, change of pace into the game, into that midfield. Um, that's just my take. And, I, you know, despite his age, like I just said, I think Iguain is still a quality player. Um, he proved it last year with the Columbus crew, um, despite injuries. Um, he's, you know, he's still able to spray the ball around. He's still be able to be very creative. Um, I love the fact that Iguain slows the game down. Um, sometimes the game can be so fast, and there's times when you see Iguain just step on the ball. Um, and just basically stop the game. It's like a fresh restart. And then from that point, he dictates it. Um, so I think that uh, – so I, I believe they signed him as a player coach, um, and I think that's a good role for him. I think that he kind of sees the game from that specific role that they signed him for. You know, the fact that he can, you know, put the – you know, put his foot on top of the ball and, and weigh his options. You know, I think that he reads the game differently than a lot of players. Um, definitely different than a lot of young players. So he has a lot to teach. And I think he still has, you know, a year or two to give to the game and the MLS as well. Um, so that's all I got to say about Frederico. So y'all can, y'all can keep it moving. Uh, so another big signing. I mean, this was probably the blockbuster of the week. Uh, Victor Wenyama coming over from Tottenham, signing with Montreal. Um, 97 appearances for Tottenham, seven goals. I think he's going to have a big impact. I think he was still – he could have been an impact for Tottenham in that league, in the Premier League still, but having the opportunity to play for Thierry Henry at Montreal is just something that he couldn't pass up. And I think Mourinho was really overhauling that Tottenham team. So this is going to be a big start reset for him in his career and just kind of a new challenge. So I think he's going to have a big impact at Montreal. What do you guys think about that one? Yeah, so I think the, the signing is absolutely great. Um, he is a uh, – he's, he's a center defensive midfielder. Um, I think that he's absolutely brilliant. He's proven himself on the Tottenham stage. But like you said, Mourinho is kind of looking to, you know, uh, you know, bring in new talent. He's got his own idea about what he wants to do with that team. Um, he captains the he's he's the Canadian uh, international captain, um, and he's really he's the epitome of a center defensive midfielder. He's you know he's not your typical build of a soccer player. He's kind of a a built from a bigger stature. Um, he sprays the ball around well, um, and he he gets into tackles really hard. Um, I think he's a great um, he's a great addition for not only. Montreal, but for the MLS as well. Um, so that, that's kind of my take on it. I hope that he does great things there, and I think Montreal is going to overall do great things this year in the league. Yeah, Poopus, you have anything that I mean? No, I agree or... honestly. Like that—that that was good. That was a great pickup for Montreal. I mean, plus, I mean, look who look who their coach is. So he's a legend. Yeah. Yeah, and so. We'll move on from Wanyama. I got one more. Um, I can't remember exactly if it happened today or yesterday, but Will Vint signed a homegrown contract with Colorado after Colorado bought his homegrown uh, rights from Atlanta. Last year with Atlanta, as a, a, an academy player, appeared 16 times for Atlanta to the USL team down there. Um, former Manchester United academy player, too, before – the age 18. Um, I think 
it's going to be interesting to watch him. He was only forced to leave United due to visa issues after his dad, who coached with the academy at Everton, left there. So it's not like he got um, like kicked out or deemed not good enough. So I think it's going to be interesting. He joins a depleted midfield in Colorado. Colorado only has seven midfielders listed. So the chances of him playing, I mean, they're there just depending on what he does with them. But I think he's going to, he could be one to watch coming up in these next couple weeks to see where he goes with that team in that midfield there. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've had, like we said earlier, I think we had some great newcomers come to the MLS um, in preseason. And I think even since week one, we've had some big moves that is, you know, going to impact, um, you know, it's it's going to impact the league with Iguain and Victor Wanyama. It's definitely going to impact the East. Uh, so from there, we're going to go ahead and, you know, unfortunately, you know, Joseph Martinez tore his ACL in the, the season opener against Nashville FC in the second half. Um, you know, former LS MVP, boot winner, um, and one of the front runners for MVP this year. We've, we've lost him so early. I wish him nothing but the speediest of recoveries. Uh, this year, or not this year, today, actually, he posted on Instagram um, with a long message just, you know, thanking the supporters and whatnot. And at the very end, in quotes, he said, see you soon um, with an angry face emoji. Um, so I think, you know, he's he's going to take this um, and he's, he's going to come back even better. Uh, he's going to he's going to work his butt off and he's going to come back and even more prolific goal scorer than he is now. He's going to come back stronger. He's going to come back faster. He's going to come back more motivated. Um, so I, you know, as unfortunate as this is, I cannot wait to see him come back. Um, to tag on that, so Miguel Almoron scored two goals yesterday in the FA Cup game. Um, you know, he plays for Newcastle. He scored two against West Bromwich. And when Miguel played with Joseph Fernand- or Joseph Fernandez at Atlanta, um, they had a trademark celebration that uh, they used to do after one of them scored a goal and after – uh, Miguel Marone scored his two goals. He did a a half of the celebration that they would do together. Um, so I thought that was a great tribute, and that shows how much respect that not only Miguel has for him, but I'm sure players across the league share that same kind of respect for Yosef. Um, and like I said, we wish him nothing for the best. But there's a lot of rumors going around about replacements for Yosef Martinez. Um, they need a striker. Despite having a striker, they're still a great contender but they need a prolific goal scorer that will replace Yosef. Who do you guys think could replace him and, and do great things and, you know, lead Atlanta back to the playoffs? Definitely not Adam John. That's for damn sure. Definitely not him. <laughs> not a doubt. There's no way that man's going to live up to that. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, going off of Pippus, I mean, I just don't see Adam John being that replacement for him. I mean, Yosef had 77 goals in 84 appearances for Atlanta since he came in the league. And I mean, that's, that's unreal. I mean, you don't see numbers like that anywhere or whatever. Those are big numbers to fill big shoes to feel. So, but the problem is there's kind of like an issue going on that we're in the middle of March. I mean, beginning of March, I'm sorry, but winter transfer European transfer windows are closed. Um, and it's tough because you wouldn't be able to, you would have to eventually sign a free agent from Europe who's not on a contract. But, and at this point, there's not many, I don't think there's many good candidates for that over in Europe. Um, so their most likely solution is probably in a, in a trade within the MLS. Um, they could eventually do a Daniel Sturridge, but the problem is Daniel Sturridge is still suspended until mid-June of 2020 due to gambling issues. Um, I mean, who saw who really saw that coming? I mean, but that's just the reality of it. So June 17th would be the day that Daniel Sturridge is deemed eligible again for any type of soccer competition. So I went on, I gave two um, – suggestions i said jordan hamilton from the crew um the crew signed him at the end of last year from toronto fc and i just i don't see jordan getting the playing time 
at Columbus. Especially, granted, especially with Adi now there. Yeah, you're right. Yep, Adi and Zardes above them. And the thing is, I want to just make sure that there's no true – I don't think there's a true replacement for Yosef Martinez. You have to get – you have to just try and get as close as possible or somebody that fits your style. Um, so ultimately replacing him is tough, but getting someone similar but less – Caliber is going to be their best bet. I also said uh, Quincy Armareka from who's currently a free agent, 26 goals throughout his career. Um, but he was also playing behind a bunch of big time players. So I think with more playing time, he could be similar to Jordan Hamilton, who has also played behind the likes of Josie Altidore. So his numbers really don't show the capability that he could be um, capable of. I think it's going to be a Pity Martinez and Barco to provide the goal scoring now. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel. Yeah, no, I agree. I think PT Martinez had an underwhelming first year. Um, and I've, you know, read a couple things, and I've seen some things that he's posted, and I think he's kind of revamped and uh, ready for the challenge this year. I don't think he was completely, you know, ready for the transfer last year. And I think, I think he's ready to step up to the challenges here. So I, so I think PT Martinez is going to score some more goals. Um, I have basically a list of celebrities. Um, so Carlos Baca from Villarreal since September, he only has two starts for Villarreal. Um, so believe that he's looking to get out or the, the management is looking to get him out. Um, so Carlos Bach, I believe, is an option. Um, Dakota, you kind of touched on, you know, that we're in a, a weird period right now where we can't transfer players in. Um, but another name I saw thrown around is Olivier Giroud from Chelsea. Um, he's been linked to the MLS in the past. Um, and his contract is up in the summer. Unfortunately, that's not going to impact that now. That man to move the MLS. He ain't doing, doing anything else over there, so. Yeah, but I think I think that he would be a good MLS striker. I think Olivier Giroud. Now I'm a big-time Arsenal fan, so I've seen him play. He's a huge threat in the box, and I also think he's a great hold-up striker. He can hold the ball up, lay off the ball to, you know, attacking midfielders and players coming from the wings and what have you. Um, another name I've seen thrown around is Sebastian Soto. He's a 19-year-old from California. He's a U.S. Olympic hopeful, um, and he's not ex- he's not going to extend his contract with Hanover 96 in the Bundesliga. Um, somebody being that long, that young and being in the Bundesliga, you know, being a U.S. men's national team candidate for the U.S. Olympic national team, um, I think that could be a good option for them. Better, you know, you know, not as big of a name, but, you know, probably as big as a talent, honestly. Um, Dakota, you already touched on Daniel Sturridge. We would all love to see it. Um, yeah. I think Daniel Sturridge still has a lot to offer as a striker. I think he's a great player. Um, I don't really see it happening. Although, phenomenal rumor. Whoever whoever broke it, I would love to see it. Um, and, you know, I didn't even think of it when you said Jordan Hamilton, but I think that's 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 a great idea. He came from where Toronto before he came to the crew. Yeah, he was in Toronto. I think that he would be a, a good option as well. Um, but like you said earlier, I think that you're not necessarily going to replace him. Um, I think that you're just going to fill the void until he comes back. Yeah, and it's um, it's kind of tricky. I was reading, I was looking up some of the options that Atlanta had with Yosef's roster spot and what they would deal with this injury. And there's actually three different options they could do, which I didn't realize they could do a season ending injury list. Um, an injured list or wait and see ultimately, but depending if they, I don't think they'll just wait and see what they do with them, but I think the best option because season ending list, they are limited with the money that they could purchase use to purchase another player, but the injured list allows them to use any figure. And I mean, Atlanta this past year acquired a lot of allocation money um, they got the base 750,000. 750, they got 350,000 in incentives from a couple trades. They got 1.0 million in allocation for the Nagby to Columbus trade. And then they also have 1 million that can be converted 
to general allocation money from the Tito Villa ball trade. I mean, so putting them, putting him on the injured list allows him to return if he does. Um, but that would give them, they have so much money to use to purchase a player where I think they could get a big name within a free agency market or an emergency signing or some trade within the MLS. So that would be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one day in the, you know, probably the next week we're going to log on to either, you know, Twitter or Instagram, and there's going to be something that says Atlanta signs and there's going to be a big name following it. Um, yep. Well, you got the money it. to do it. So uh, yeah, absolutely. they're going to do it, it since you just went down. Make it happen. I'd love to see it. Um, and I know we kind of touched on it. You know, we touched about Adam John and how he's not, you know, a, a replacement for Yosef. No disrespect on Adam John. Um, you know, he did his time at Columbus. We loved him when he was there. Um, he's a good player. Um, but there's there's big shoes to fill with Joseph or Yosef Martinez. Um, so whatever capacity Adam John fills in um, to replace him and to fill those shoes. Um, I wish him the best, and I hope he scores some goals. Probably has and two goals he... within the next, like, five games, honestly, to be honest. Yeah, and I and they have a good team around them, so who knows? He, You know, he could score goals. Yeah, he um, could. So, so we'll see. I think they'll still sign somebody, but, I, you know, I, I don't want to write off Adam John quite yet. No, he doesn't have a big name or what have you, but I, I hope he does well. So that kind of wraps up our main segment. We'll We'll go into week two now. Um, so what we're going to do every week is we're going to list three of the biggest games, um, the games with the biggest implications, um, the most um, competitive games that, you know, we see as a, um, as a fan. So this week we're going to, um, we're going to pick who's going to win the game and what the score or whether it's a tie and what the score is going to be. Um, so this week's games for week two, it's going to be Columbus versus Seattle. That game is going to be at Century Link Field in Seattle. Um, the second game is going to be Toronto versus New York City FC, and that's going to be at BMO in Toronto. And then D.C. versus Miami at Audi and D.C. Um, so, Dakota, you want to start with uh, Columbus versus Seattle? Uh, who's going to win or tie? Um, what's the score going to be? Yeah, so are we just giving the score and kind of who's going to win? Or are we kind of giving a thought process behind it or whatever? Whatever you whatever want to do. You, whatever you want to whatever do. Whatever you want to do, man. It's week one, baby. Take it. All right. So I have – I'm going to say my score first. I have 2-1 Seattle. Um, being a crew fan, I'm just trying to be honest here. Um, going back, looking at the Seattle game and the Columbus game and the history of that, those matches, I mean, right now Jordan Morris is on a tear. I mean, two goals in 45 minutes coming off the bench against Chicago. Super I mean, sub. Super sub. That's, that's well done. Yeah, like – Brandon saying super sub for sure. Um, and the crew's defense, if we're being honest, didn't get really tested in that first match with New York City FC being down to 10 men. And they didn't get much action. So, And we have a couple new players. I mean, Milton Valenzuela is back from injury. He missed all last year with an ACL. We got Warmger now, who we just signed from Europe, um, back there as a center back. So, and Warm is a great defender. He's a great tackler, and he gets in the challenges, as we saw, especially with that yellow card, which should have been a yellow at all. That was not a yellow. Kind of questionable. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into that, but we can all hold our own opinions. Um, and then just kind of looking at the history of this, these games, I mean, in Seattle, the Sounders have two wins, totaling 10 goals. The crew have two wins, totaling eight goals. And three draws between the team teams. So I mean the crew don't fare very well in Seattle. Um the crew have also only kept one clean sheet in their last twenty two away matches. So that's obviously not a good sign, especially early in the year when you do have such a new team trying to learn such a new system under Caleb Porter. Um Ladero is also questionable, I would like to assume with uh Hamstring tendonitis, he missed last week, so we'll see what his status is closer to the weekend. And the crew, going back and looking at the NYCFC game, the crew looked to struggle, um, even up a man with creating chances. We only had three chances created. Um, 
14 shots, but only six are on target. So, and as you can see, and it's been in the past, Caleb Porter is a very possession-based coach, um, not a very attacking coach until you get build up into the possession into the final third. So I think maybe we should have been more direct, but we weren't as direct as we could have been with upper man for almost 87 minutes. So I think we struggled that way. So I'm going to say Seattle 2-1. Okay. Frank, what do you got? I feel like I feel like it's gonna be a two-two tie. But honestly, Columbus has to come out and actually finish the ball. Cause Dia like there was plenty of times against NYFC where they just blasted the ball either over or to the side. Santos had like two or three times where he could have like put it in the back of the net, but blasted the ball over. And then Diaz was pretty much right in front of the net and shanked it terribly off to the side. So and Zardes needs to, needs to come up and do something because ever since last year, he's been struggling big time. He can't put the ball in the net. And this year, he's a, he said he's going to change himself and prove everybody wrong. But from the first game, he hasn't, he hasn't done it. So, they just need a, they need a finish. But I think it's going to be a 2-2 tie. So, I agree with Brandon about the tie. Um, I have a different score line. I have a one-to-one score. Uh, Seattle's a really tough play – Seattle. Hey, Donovan. Uh, <laughs> Seattle's a Seattle's a tough place to play. Um, Century Century Link has been rough for the crew. Um, I, I I think they survive in a tie. Uh, Jordan Morris, you know, he's currently the leading goal scorer with a brace in his first game, coming off the bench, which is super impressive. And that was without Nico Ladero. Uh, if if Nico Ladero is back. It's our midfield is going to be tested for the first time, you know, this year. Uh, the Columbus crew this past week, they were, they weren't necessarily tested. We kind of tested ourselves uh, with New York City FC playing down a man. But I think that our team has goals in them. You know, we only we only scored one with being up a man. But I think that even being away from home. And, you know, historically in the MLS and anywhere, winning away from home is difficult. I think that we will put a goal in the back of that, and I think that our defense will be tested, but I think our defense is good enough to withstand a 1-1 tie. So, for me, I think the Columbus Crew and Seattle Sounders uh, come out in a 1-1 tie this weekend. I feel like our defense is pretty stacked, so they can, I think they can prove everybody. I think so, too. I'm looking forward to that game. It's going to be a good one. Uh, so, a rematch last year from the MLS Eastern Conference playoffs, Toronto FC and New York City FC. Um, what do you guys think of this match? I think it's going to be a 2-1 win for uh, NYFC. I think since NYFC, I mean, they, they actually came out with, against the crew, even being down a man. They act like they pressured them and everything. So, I think they're going to come out and they're going to have a full-strength full team, and I think they're going to pull it out against Toronto. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at this game, I mean, both teams are looking to rebound from, I would say, disappointing week ones. Uh, NYCFC, one nothing loss to the crew. Toronto, 2-2 draw at San Jose after having a 2 nothing lead going into overtime or into the second half. I apologize about that. But I think even that Toronto, even getting a point there, every player, every coach on that, staff and team has to be feeling disappointed about that um like Blake said um it's the rematch of the Eastern Conference playoffs last year so there's going to be a lot of um each other wanting to really get into it really get back at it um Toronto giving up two goals in the second half to San Jose was probably not the best start on what they were looking for um going into looking ahead into this weekend though um Toronto are unbeaten against were unbeaten against NYCFC last year. Um, the series is pretty close. Uh, Toronto has five wins in the overall series. NYCFC has four with five draws. But my biggest issue, my biggest thought about this Toronto team is, I mean, and I'm probably going to get hated for saying this by U.S. men's national team fans, but how much are they missing Michael Bradley? I mean, 37, 37% possession overall against San Jose. I mean, 
when you look at Michael Bradley, you can say all you want, but Michael Bradley keeps possession for his teams and can really move the ball around and break lines. Um, I was looking at the passing charts for the two teams, and Toronto really liked to play narrow. They played within the 18, extended a lot. And Michael Bradley is the one of the key players within the MLS that can do that. I mean, moving the ball in the middle, breaking lines with passes, I think they're really missing Michael Bradley in the final third, especially, and moving the ball up the field, breaking lines. But I'm going to say Toronto won nothing. So I'm right on cue with Brandon. Um, I think NYFC is going to win two to one. Um, I know you were just touching on Michael Bradley. That's the point I wanted to touch on. Um, he is your stereotypical center defensive midfielder. And despite what a lot of people have to say, um, he has some of the most critics in the MLS. For some reason, people don't like simple play, um, but he plays so simple um, that it's scary, and it scares defenses sometimes. Um, when you can spray the ball out wide, and then you know after defenses, you see spraying the ball out wide, you break a line, um, then you combine. That's something that Michael Bradley brings to that team, and I can't wait till he's able to come back and he's healthy. But until then, um, from what I've seen from NYCFC. This past week, and they're playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. I think they have more games under their belt. I think they're more experienced so far this year. Uh, the fact that they took the crew down a man to a 1-0 loss is commendable for them. I think they did a phenomenal job at defending and putting that four and four block, four in the defense, four in the midfield block in. Um, so that proved that they can defend really well in that kind of situation. And they kind of – they have the players that can kind of attack um, – I would love to see – so, like I said, New York City FC I think is going to win 2-1, to one, but I would love to see Josie Altidore. This is a big game, and I think Josie Altidore, if he wants to really prove himself – now, I think he's already proved himself. He's a great player, but I think that if he wants to take himself to that next level, he really has to take over when he's up top um, as a target, laying the ball off, spinning off. Um, so, I would love for Josie Altidore to prove me wrong and, you know, score a brace and make this a tie. Um, or score a brace and them hold them to one and, you know, win the game. I would love to see Josie Altidore do that. But for right now, I think New York City FC wins this game on the road 2-1. to one. I agree. I definitely agree. All right. So our last game that we're going to be predicting, and by the way, we're going to be keeping track of all these and we'll be reporting on everybody's records throughout the year. Um, how everybody's doing and how smart on predictions we really are. And we'll probably all be terrible, but that's okay. Um, so the last game we'll be doing is D.C. United versus Inter-Miami at Audi Field in D.C. Cody, you want to go? Yeah, so looking ahead at this game, I mean, this is a game both teams are looking to get in the W column. I mean, that's huge. I mean, Miami looked impressive against the one of the best clubs in MLS that I think in history that anybody's ever seen in LAFC. Unfortunately, they just haven't won an MLS Cup. Um, but I think the players, the talent, Bob Bradley at the helm there, I mean, that's probably one of the best MLS teams I've seen personally and seen, been able to watch within the MLS. And then D.C., Losing to Colorado by a late goal by Jonathan Lewis. I mean, Jonathan Lewis has really come on his own lately. So kudos to Jonathan. Um, that's a big time win for Colorado there in DC. Um, this game taking place in DC. I mean, Blake, you've been to Audi Field. Um, it definitely doesn't look like a fun place to play. It doesn't look like a very enjoyable place with the atmosphere for an away team especially a, a very new expansion team even though they are veterans um like we touched on earlier i think just being new to each other and new to the whole environment is just something that's different for them so i don't see them having a fun time in audi field i think dc really turns it around this week um gets their chances again. I think Russell Canoose really got on the board there for that first goal within the MLS season and 
getting DC that one nothing lead, but I'm gonna say DC two to nothing on that game. I don't I still don't think Miami has the game plan or the technique to get those players involved that need to and get the clear goal scoring chances. Plus I mean going up against Bill Amid, who's a top top MLS goalkeeper and the US national team goalkeeper as well. I just don't think it's going to be easy, and I think Bill and me is going to come up with some big saves as well. I got to disagree because I thought Inter-Miami played pretty well at, like away against LAFC at their home, and that's a that's a big stadium, That's and that shit gets crazy. So, And I feel like Inter-Miami is going to come out there, and they're going to actually – they're going to put some goals in the net, and I think Inter-Miami – I think it's going to be three to one Inter-Miami for that game. Robles, like, they're not – Nothing's really gonna get past Robles. I think they're gonna score at least one goal against him, but I think Inter Miami's gonna come out and they're gonna actually put some goals in the net. All right, that's that's a hot take. Um, so I'm gonna go somewhere in between. I'm gonna go with the tie. Um, I think that DC did well in Game One against the Rapids at home, uh, but they didn't prove to me that they can that they, that they're ready to win games yet. I, I, I didn't see anything that proved to me that they're um, where they were last year and where they were two years ago. I don't think they're as prolific as they were with Wayne Rooney when he was there. Um, and I think before this segment started, I wanted to say that Miami was going to win, but I think it's going to end in a 1-1 tie. I think Miami's going to finish this game with their first point in the, in the MLS. I think it's going to finish in a 1-1 tie. All right, that's a good that's a good take. I mean, I still think Miami's so young where like you really it's hard to know what you're gonna get from them game in and game out. Um DC being DC, I mean they didn't really make they made a couple moves, but essentially their core players are still there, minus Wayne Rooney. Um so I think it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean, both of these teams are gonna be fun to watch this year due to the new acquisitions and then Miami just being the expansion team. So it's going to be fun to see what happens this weekend with that game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So our last segment of our first episode, boys, we've, we've made it to the end. Um, So our last segment is going to be our hot takes for either this week or, you know, this year. What do you guys got? Poop. Brandon, you go ahead and start us off, kid. <laughs> Let's hear your hot takes. I think Intermet Miami's going to the playoffs this year. And it's funny you say that because I know we talked about this before the show tonight. Um, just kind of feeling out what everybody's hot takes were. And I laughed at you thinking there's no way they do it, but the more we've talked and the more that I've thought about it, I can see them making the playoffs as like a lower seed within that conference. Um, I think once they get a few weeks in, that team's really going to start clicking. I mean, we talked about it when we talked about the expansion teams, how much veteran leadership is on that team. Um, and one person we didn't touch on was Lee Wynn. Um, who come who came off the bench against LAFC on Saturday or Sunday? But I think he's gonna play. Yep. that's an LAFC player too. Yeah, ex LAFC player. I think he's gonna play big. I think he's gonna be able to contribute a lot in that midfield, unlike he was able to do at LAFC just I mean, because of the players there. LAFC, though. He definitely um, did. He sure did a lot of. Uh, injury woes really hurt him too in LAFC. I think he was injured a couple times, if I do believe. I might be totally wrong on that, and I apologize if I am, but I do believe he was injured quite a bit. Um, Brandon, do you have any more well, hot takes? I just a, wanted to really kind of add I've, on I've to what you were like, talking for, about. At, for Miami. this episode, because I mean, I thought how Inter Miami played the first game, I thought they did pretty decent for being a new team. Yeah, like they have a lot to, lot to do, to, like to work up to their potential. But I feel like they're gonna be a they're gonna be a playoff team this year for the first year. Yeah, which will be very impressive too, because um, just an expansion team, you don't really hear of expansion teams making the playoffs in their first year. 
I mean, you saw what Cincinnati did last year. I mean, that was that was atrocious. And they're still that atrocious. Was, I mean, I think I think every FC Cincinnati fan, player, coach, front office staff wants to completely forget about last year. I think if they could take a little pill and forget a, forget their memory, I mean, that would be their they would take that in a heartbeat. But my hot take, I'm gonna go. Um, I think if LAFC stays healthy this year, I think they finally break through and win the MLS Cup. Um, like I've said before, I mean, that LAFC team is so good. I mean, the numbers they have, the players they have, you got Blessing, Vela, um, Rossi up top. Yes, you're missing Walker Zimmerman in that midfield. You're missing – or center back position, I apologize – you're missing Beta Shore, but I think the players that they have, you're missing Tyler Miller, but you have Vermeer now. But I just think that team is the most talented within the MLS. I think they finally break through, and they've had unlucky um, routes going through. They've had unlucky results, but I think they finally break through if they decide to stay healthy this year and they win the MLS Cup, so 2020 champions there. All right, well, I guess I'm last but not least. Um, I'm going to go ahead with the MVP race. Um, you know, we touched on it earlier. Unfortunately, we lost Joseph Martinez. He's going to be out for the year. He was probably the front runner right beside Carlos Vela. Um, I think that Jordan Morris might win the MVP. With two, with two goals coming off the bench and the team surrounding him, um, I think that he could possibly win MVP two goals without Nico Ladero. Nico Ladero is out this past week and he's got two goals. Um, I, I think that he's proved to be a prolific scorer in the MLS and he's kind of flown under the radar. This year could be his, his year. Um, I would love to eventually see him. I know he's, he's been in the MLS a couple of years, but I'd love to see him go to Europe eventually. Um, I think that this year could be the year where he wins the MVP, possibly the golden boot. Uh, you know, he's a U.S. international. I would love to see him get this kind of this title under his belt. Um, one, one more thing that I didn't touch on earlier that's not necessarily the golden boot or MVP type. Uh, one of the newcomer, one of the newcomers, um, Amaria, he plays for Minnesota. He's on a 12-month loan from Alez uh, Sarsfield. He's a U-20 Paraguayan national team member. Uh, he, he had one goal on four shots. Um, and I heard a couple quotes this week, and one of the quotes read, it's been said that if you put the ball in the box, he will finish it. Um, Ethan Finley provided two assists this week, one to him. Um, and so this is more about Ethan Finley than it is about Amaria. Uh, Ethan Finley looked phenomenal. Ethan Finley was on the team of the week this week for MLS Fantasy. And he looked faster than ever. He looked sharper than ever. He looked precise. He looked like a right winger that's going to dominate the MLS this year. Um, So I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah, Blake. I mean, I'm just going to build off of you. I mean, the Jordan Morris call, I mean, that's that's big time. I mean, I can – I'm not going to take credit for it, but I can totally back you up. I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean – He's always been one of those players who was like around that top, like, can like conversation for that top player. But when you have players like Yosef and you have players like Vela, he kind of gets underlooked. He kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Um, but that Jordan Morris call is pretty impressive. I mean, that's going to be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch this year. Um, but your Ethan Finley, I mean, you saw glimpses of it with Columbus, but you never quite saw the full picture of it. Um, which you did this weekend. So kudos to you for calling that out. I mean, that's big time. So well done with that. So I can totally see that coming too. Uh, do you guys think that uh, Jordan Morris is going to be a sub still or is he going to actually start next game? I mean, I think he's going to be a sub coming uh, next game. I think that's a I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll leave that up to the coach, man, but I'm still going to stick to my MVP. Thing. I mean, the I'll man leave, comes I'll in and scores two goals, so, I mean, that's <laughs> – Yeah. Hey, yeah, but you got – he comes off the bench – That's pretty impressive right there. If he comes right off there. the bench and scores two goals, I mean, I... yeah, yeah. 
Did what? What did he play during the week though? Yeah, I think he did. Like, I think that's Olympia why they sat him for. That's the question. Pretty much like the first half. Yeah, if he came, yeah, if he played, yeah. Um, so I just looked it up. Yeah, he played during the game, midweek game against Olympia. So that's definitely probably the reason why he came off the bench. Um, especially with it, especially now they're not worried about Champions League as they've been knocked out through that penalty shootout. But I definitely think starting this coming week or next week, he starts for that team. Um, in that left midfield position, kind of as that like left forward in that four two three one type of formation. So I can definitely see him getting more playing time and having more opportunities to get balls into the box. And like Blake said, when Ladero comes back, I mean that's gonna that's their main playmaker. No matter what you want to say about anybody else on that team, Ladero's their main playmaker. So once he comes back, I think Morris is gonna get a lot of more. Uh, key chances on goal to put those balls in the back of the net. I mean, I don't even think he needs Ladero to do that. I mean, he's just – he's already made to score goals, so. Yeah, but once, well, yeah, once you get Ladero back, so. it's a different ball game. Yeah, well, boys, you guys no, have I'm looking forward to next week. That's I for do sure. not – yeah, I'm looking forward to the MLS season, kind of keeping up with you guys every week. Uh, listeners, really appreciate everything sitting here listening to this podcast. Um, I mean, I'll take any feedback if you want. You can reach my uh, Twitter handle. I mean, what's my Twitter handle real quick? I think it's Coach Rock, R-O-R-H-O, right? Yeah, Coach Rock. I don't know. You're the one that has your Twitter handle. Coach Rock, R-H-O. So you can definitely reach me there, follow me, post a lot of stuff about my college team. So really looking forward to that. Post a little more about this podcast going forward now that we've got it started and rolling. So let me know your feedback. Uh, If you have any questions or whatever, let me know. Maybe we can take some guest questions going forward. Maybe in the future, depending on oh, how for we sure, look. Without a doubt, I just thank everybody for listening today. Yeah. Our very first week of MLS gone wild. I mean, probably wasn't anything special, but I thought you know, pretty pretty good job for for our first day for our podcast. So I just want to thank everybody for listening to us. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I'm impressed, boys. This was a job well done. Uh, we didn't know what to expect coming in you know we facetimed coming into it and you know we were making sure everybody was ready and i think we did a good job i think that we you know i i think that we proved ourselves almost proved ourselves wrong i think we did a better job than we thought we could yeah. do. Um, i think we had good conversation and um those that listen i know that we're gonna have our loyal listeners um some of our best friends our girlfriends um family members what have you close friends um please give us feedback let us know uh, we're going to put this live on Twitter, um, probably on our Facebooks as well. Wherever we can post it, we'll post it. So, you know, whoever follows. Yeah, Docker, if, if anybody else has any topics know. that they, we want, like uh, they want us to talk about, just go ahead and let us know. We'll, we'll be happy to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, to be honest with you, this is our first time, you know, and coming up with topics was almost difficult. So if you guys have questions or topics that you guys would like us to talk about, we can do our research and give you guys some feedback on that. Um, so we would love some, you know, some feedback from everybody. Um, so again, we thank you. Um, and I'm Blake Eshelman signing out from, um, from Chesapeake, right, Virginia. You from have Hawaii. You guys have a good night. Dakota Rock signing off from Memphis, Tennessee. I'll see and you guys next week. And Lost Week 2 coming up. <laughs>